We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name's Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers. For all of you on the other side of the speaker, appreciate you tuning in. Appreciate you being here. Hope you're all doing well. Today, we're going to talk about the 49ers stumbling upon. That's a, that's a negative term. Not stumbling. The 49ers finally coming to a conclusion on who they would like to hire as their defensive coordinator. And it seems, although they've they've technically hired one person as their defensive coordinator, they've almost landed on two of them. And that sounds a little facetious. I don't really want to necessarily... I've found two ways to seem facetious in about 10 seconds. You know, using the stumbling term and the, the two defensive coordinators thing. But, and I don't really want to necessarily approach this like that. I don't have a problem with the hiring of former defensive passing game specialist and Nichols coach, Nick Sorensen. And I don't have a problem with the 49ers bringing on Brandon Staley, former Chargers head coach. They seem to like former Chargers head coaches as their assistant coach role. Obviously, Anthony Lynn, former Chargers head coach, was the assistant head coach for the 49ers and assisted in the run game. Whereas uh, Brandon Staley is being brought on as reportedly by Adam Schefter an assistant head coach and likely a defensive assistant. Um, But in the end, Nick Sorensen, who a lot of people had kind of pegged as the favorite uh, to land the job among the interior hires, uh, he was among the options that we broke down in the last podcast. Uh, And there's a lot to, there's a lot to talk. He's an interesting dude. Like he has a, a massive background of all sorts of experience I know that a uh, guy Haberman had a, a friend that knew that played along with him in the NFL and just said he was a phenomenal dude, very smart, and seemed like he always had the odds working against him in terms of being a professional football player and being in the league for 10 years, yet found a way to make it work. 
Um, so it's definitely it's an interesting hire in my opinion. I'm I'm not very down on it. I'm not up on it. I mean, that's kind of like me in general. When's the last time I was super down or super up on anything? Um, I guess there's a very easy example from recent memory you could bring up, but we won't go there. We won't go there. We're moving on. So again, Nick Sorensen is now the 49ers defensive coordinator. Last season, he was the defensive passing game specialist and the Nichols coach. Uh, before that, he was just a defensive assistant in 2022. Before that, he took over, uh, I think, midseason for the Jackson, Jacksonville Jaguars and ran, was their special teams coordinator. Um, and he's got, he's got a, you know, I think that the Sorensen hire is a bit closer to what's worked for the 49ers in the past outside of Wilkes. You know, they hired, I believe, Robert Solo was Seattle's linebackers coach. They hired him as their. Uh, defensive coordinator in 2017 and then when he was promoted to the head coach of the jets or hired not promoted i mean it's both uh then D'Amico ryan's took over and he was a linebackers coach now i wouldn't get too fixated on the linebackers thing i mean if you want to get fixated on the linebackers thing um when 49ers linebackers coach johnny holland was dealing with some health issues a couple years back uh, Nick Sorensen was the one that stepped in and immediately coached the linebackers for him. So he's capable. I, I, Nick Sorensen seems like the guy that could probably coach any position on the defense. He's very well-rounded. He's kind of got a little bit of everything going on. And, and in the NFL, that kind of, if you, if you, whether you're a player in the NFL, whether as a player in the NFL or as a coach in the NFL, if you have, one, maintained a job, period. And two, moved around at a lot of different spots. It means you're sharp. And it means people are confident that you're going to be able to do that job despite the fact that it's not like a mo- like he's been on the offensive side of things. He's been on the defensive side of things. Um, he's coached special teams. He played special teams. He was a corner. He was a safety. He has been all over the roster in terms of a coach and a player. And when you can do that at the NFL level and maintain a job, it means you're sharp and it means you're trustworthy and it means you're adaptable and it means you can pick things up pretty damn quick. Um, Sorensen had eight, did eight seasons coaching with Seattle. That's where he got his start as a coach. Um, he was first uh, at first he was with the special teams for about the first half. And then for like the last four, he was with defensive backs. He was under coordinators, Chris Richard, Ken Norton, um, all of his defensive back coaching was with the secondary. I think at one point he was he was in charge of like just um, just just the corners, and then at one point it became the secondary as a whole. Uh, he won a Super Bowl with Seattle uh, when they won it um, against the Broncos when they an- absolutely annihilated the Broncos. He played in a Super Bowl with the Rams, lost it at the start of Tom Brady's you know reign. Um, so he lost Super Bowl with the Rams, won one with Seattle, then lost one the following year um, on the uh, throw it on the one yard line year. Um, and then he obviously has lost one now with the 49ers. So he has a ton of experience coaching in big situations and big games. Um, you know, it, what's weird and what's interesting at the same time is a lot of Sorensen's experience falls outside the realm of def- he's, he hasn't been a defensive coordinator before. He's got tons of of experience coaching on defense. Like, like we said, he's got linebackers, he's got secondary, he's got, and he played as a corner, played as a safety. He's well-liked. Um, so, 
you know, he even played linebacker in college. He played safety corner in the NFL. He was considered a special teams ace. Like the dude has really just been all over the place. Um, for the 49ers last year, he ran what was, you know, like the ball meeting, the takeaway meetings where he met with the team. I think Matt Barrow said it was every Thursday where all they did in Nick Sorensen's meeting was talk about taking care of the football and taking away the football. And what's remarkable, and you can attribute this to Sorensen if you want to, I, I, everybody deserves credit for something, especially when it directly involves their meeting. Last year, the 49ers had more interceptions. It's either last season and since Sorensen got there, I think. I think it works both ways. Since Sorensen's been there, and again, I'm not directly... This almost reminds me of like, and this goes on in football a lot too, is when like politicians take credit for like everything good and you're looking at them like, bitch, you didn't have anything to do with that. <laughs> like, it's, it's the, it's, it's kind of the same thing in the NFL sometimes. It was the same thing in the military too. You know, a lot of times the person at the highest rank kind of that overseeing things gets credit for the hard work of those, those anyways, y'all know what I'm saying. So whether or not this can directly be attributed to Sorensen or not, I don't know. But we're here talking about it. The 49ers had, over the last two years, I believe, had more turnovers than they allowed passing touchdowns. More, in, excuse me, let's be more specific, more interceptions than they allowed passing touchdowns, which is mind-blowing. Like that, it's just, it's awesome. That It's just not a statistic you even expect to hear because interceptions are just typically few and far between passing touchdowns are relatively common, but the 49ers defense managed to uh, manage to get after the ball a lot. And maybe Sorensen's ball meetings, takeaway meetings were a huge reason why it, it seems like a big part of Sorensen's appeal for Kyle Shanahan and for John Lynch would be one. He's versatile. He's well-rounded. He understands defense from a multitude of perspectives He's been smart enough to coach in those perspectives and play in those positions with success. And he's going to have a very broad view of the defense. He's going to be able to view the defense from the perspective of linebackers, from the perspective of corners, from the perspectives of safeties. And just judging by his nature and how much experience he has, I'm assuming he will have no problem integrating the defensive line into his way of thinking about something. Um, and I would, I think that just based on what we've heard about their coaching search, you know, Jets defensive corner Jeff Ulbrich was constantly brought up as being kind of like their goal. I don't think that's that's been rumored by accident, um, but it always seemed like a bridge too far. Like, what do you mean the Jets are just going to give up their their defensive coordinator for? So the 49ers can have him. Like, obviously, their, their relationship is probably great. Jeff Ulrich used to play for the 49ers. Um, Robert Sullen, the 49ers remain on good terms. But there's you don't just, especially in a huge year for the Jets. You know, Aaron Rodgers is coming back. We're, we're going to finally get to see kind of what this team was meant to look like last year and why they were put on what seemed like every damn preseason game in the season. <laughs> The NFL totally was betting on Aaron Rodgers playing. Um, and he took, like, what, like one passing snap, and that was it? Anyways. So Jeff Ulbrich was that, was that I think, was their main goal. But I, from the sound of it, the Jeffs were just like, nah, we're good. 
No, thank you. Which it, you would be more concerned if the Jets were like, oh, yeah, sure. Here, here you go. Here's our D.C. You know, maybe they just love him and, and Ulrich loves the 49ers and wants nothing more than to be the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. And the Jets have it, you know, and they're just like, sure. But it would have seemed weird if the Jets were just like, yeah, no compensation needed. Take our defensive coordinator. You know, and what was even more interesting was the word that came out this week that the 49ers flirted with um, Steve Spagnolo from the Chiefs defensive coordinator, which who apparently I wasn't really paying attention to that, obviously that team since the Super Bowl. And he was in a contract year and they were working on negotiations and apparently they were having some snags. And it sounds like the 49ers dropped the line saying, hey, you know, how are your contract negotiations going? Would you like to have some contract negotiations with us? And then Steve Spagnuolo reached an extension with the Chiefs shortly after. So um, that would have been nuts. I mean, it would have been nuts on so many different levels. Why would the Chiefs have any problem with the contract negotiations? Why would they ever consider a world without him? I know he's been with Andy Reid for a long time. Uh, that would have been wild. You know, that would have truly been a splash. But again, Ulrich and Spagnolo, both of those seem like highly unrealistic options. Uh, it was reported that Kyle Shanahan did contact Bill Belichick and just said, hey, out of respect for you, would you come here and be our DC? And, and Bill Belichick reportedly kindly declined saying he was going to spend the year doing his random little TV obligations and see what was available to him next year, which we talked about. Um, I talked about you know him being a defensive coordinator is both a plus and a minus. A lot of people were like, oh, Bill Belichick won't be a coordinator. And I was like, well, maybe he would because it's a hell of a lot easier than what he's been doing. You know, especially at his age, it's a hell of a lot easier than what he's been doing over the past 20 years. So, so they tried for, uh, it's reportedly tried for Jeff Ulbrich. Um, They talked to Steve Spagnuolo. They asked Bill Belichick and those are all, I, I don't, I don't, think talking about these gives the impression that Nick Sorensen was some type of second option. Technically, that's exactly what he is, but these are all very unlikely hires, you know, that, that I think the 49ers are wise to explore. Um, and that, you know, the fact that they didn't work out is not some sort of, of, of knock on the 49ers. And again, I think hiring Nick Sorensen, a, a, a well-regarded coach from within your organization um, is a lot more aligned with what this team has built successfully over the, since 2017, since Kyle Shanahan got here. Um, will they have the same success? We'll see. And that's where it kind of brings us to Brandon Staley, um, former Chargers head coach. Before that, he was the Rams defensive coordinator for a year. Uh, in that year, his defense was the best in football. Uh, he also obviously had a ton of talent back there, but you still get the 49ers have a ton of credit and the defensive coordinators for the, excuse me, I think I said that wrong. The 49ers have a ton of talent and the defensive coordinators still get credit for the success of the fort. So just because Brandon Staley had a ton of talent with the Rams, um, Jalen Ramsey was there. Obviously Aaron Donald was there in, in a more, in more, more of his prime than he is now. So, uh, you know, it's it's right for him to get that credit. He was hired as the Chargers head coach. And obviously things did not go great with the Chargers. The Chargers defense wasn't even good when Staley was the head coach there, despite his defensive background. Um, 
you know, but that is, it's, we've seen it time and time and time again. Some people make great coordinators, don't make great head coaches. A lot of people thought that might be the case with Kyle Shanahan. Thought he was a phenomenal coordinator, one of the best in the, in the NFL. Would he make a great head coach? Turns out he he can. Um, and now they arrived at Brandon Staley. Now, this is when it, it it gets weird, but not that weird. You know, obviously Staley brings with him a ton of experience. Um, he has a lot of experience coaching defensive backs and linebackers. And I think with the Staley hire, the 49ers are hoping more to bring in perspective than they are some type of backup in case Nick Sorensen works out. Now, could Staley end up being a backup if Nick Sorensen doesn't work out? Of course he can. But I don't necessarily think, I don't think that was the intent of the 49ers. Um, again, it's not like, you know, Anthony Lynn was brought in just in case the running backs coach didn't work out. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's not always like that. I don't think the 49ers would have made that move if they thought they were instantly going to make their new defensive coordinator feel like the team has no faith in him. Like, you know what I mean? There had to have been some conversation between the 49ers and Staley and Sorensen so that these hires were brought on with full transparency without instantly making one of them, you know, not one of them, making Sorensen feel like, okay, so you just made me your defensive coordinator and then you immediately brought this former defensive coordinator in. You know, what is that supposed to mean? And I don't really get that vibe from what the 49ers and what John Lynch has said, and I'm sure what Kyle Shanahan is about to say about Staley. Excuse me. Normally I can mute myself before I do that, but um, I think it's all about perspective. I think that Kyle Shanahan views Brandon Staley as an impressive football coach, a smart football coach, somebody who's got a lot of good ideas, whether or not they worked out. Um, and the 49ers have had joint practices with the Chargers in the past, a couple of years ago, I believe. And I think that Kyle Shanahan, that's when he got his first opportunity to really get to know Staley. And obviously he's, he's friends with Sean McVay. Staley coached under Sean McVay. And there's just a lot of communication going on between those two and everybody that knows them. Staley comes from the, the Vic Fangio school of defense, which is a different system, you know, more of a three, four than a four, three. But John Lynch had some interesting comments at the combine and to the beat writers is that, you know, like we want to continue to run this defense, how we've proven successful, but we can't be against evolving. And I think that's where Staley comes in for the 49ers is how can this defense maintain what they do well while continuing to evolve? And I would, I I would think that anybody who've watched the 49ers, over the years knows that their defense is very good, very talented, but not flawless and can have games where they get absolutely throttled. And I think that kind of weighs into why Steve Wilkes was let go. If you look at how, how things went in the playoffs, they had moments of brilliance and they had moments of what is going on here. You know, it it was very up and down. And I think the 49ers are open to allowing that defense and everything about it. You know, the, the way they utilize the linebackers and the way they utilize the wide nine and the defensive line. And, you know, I think they're open to letting that evolve. And I think that the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan think that Brandon Staley will be able to come in and offer a fresh set of eyes and, and help that defense 
reach a new and different level. If, if, if you're asking me why the 49ers also hired Staley, that is why I think they, they hired Staley is that Shanahan's been impressed with him. He, I think that Shanahan, if I had some weird guess, probably sees Staley as kind of like his inverse, you know, a, a guy on defense who knows a lot, very smart, does things a little bit differently. And I think that also towards the end of the season and in the Super Bowl, Kyle Shanahan started to have to worry a lot about Steve Wilkes' defense, which took him his attention away from the offense. And I don't think he wants to have to do that anymore. And I think that he will, between Brandon Staley, um, between Nick Sorensen, he will probably be able to keep his hands much more off the defense than he had to with Wilkes. I mean, we saw that highlight in the Super Bowl of Kyle Shanahan uh, screaming into the mic, using a timeout to override what was obviously like an all-out blitz after the 49ers defense had just gotten beat on a blitz uh, just a few plays prior, I believe. So I think that this is Kyle Shanahan seemingly kind of reinforcing the defensive ranks. He didn't replace Anthony Lynn with another run game specialist, and, and maybe he will, but you know he's he's kind of just reinforcing the defense, allowing him to kind of get his hands on onto the offense where he wants it. Um, I don't think that Brandon Staley is going to be in the public eye. I don't. I, I would doubt that he's even going to be on the sideline. He's probably going to be up in the coach's box, uh, communicating with with Sorensen and other coaches. Um, I think that he's probably not going to be a person that's giving press conference conferences. That's going to be Nick Sorensen's deal. Uh, I, I don't think we're going to get the impression that Brandon Staley is like stepping on Sorensen's toes throughout this marriage and throughout their tenure. Uh, but we'll see. Obviously, depending on how this 49ers schedule is laid out, you know, depending on where their buy is and depending on how things are going for the 49ers defense, We'll see how long Sorensen sticks with it. But you're hoping it's not one of those things, and you're hoping he has success, just like the past coordinators that have been promoted from in-house. Uh, I'm assuming this is somebody that uh, jives well with the Bosas, the Warners of the world, and uh, probably has a pretty good rapport with the players. You can find plenty of interviews, or at least a few interviews, with Nick Sorensen on YouTube, and he seems like a very likable dude, very intelligent, well-spoken and still seems like somebody that's going to command a room. And I think that that was one of Steve Wilkes' biggest strengths uh, was not necessarily how he coordinated uh, coordinated a defense, but how he just led individuals. And, and that's something you hear said often about coaches: is are they leader of are they a leader of men? Can they inspire the people underneath them? Do people want to play for them? Um, sometimes you play for people because you're afraid of them. Sometimes you play for people because you want to make money. You know, sometimes you play for people because you couldn't bear the thought of disappointing them. You know, there's all those crazy relationships that develop in coaching and they still matter at the pro level, still matter at the pro level, human beings. That's just the way it is. Um, so I'm interested to see how this dynamic works. I'm interested to see where Staley goes during the 49ers practices over the summer as the offseason stuff begins and as we eke our way towards training camp. Um, is he going to be with the, the defensive backs? You know, that's kind of where um, Wilkes spent a lot of his time as a defensive back guy. Uh, maybe Staley is spending his time with the linebackers and the defensive backs and the corners whereas Sorensen is obviously a bit more hands-on with, with the defensive front and the linebackers and Warner and, and all that good stuff. 
So it's going to be, I'm looking forward to just seeing how all this plays out. I, I, I don't have a negative outlook, outlook on either of these hires. I think it makes a lot more sense than, I thought the Steve Wilkes hire was solid when it happened, but I think that this hire is a bit more reminiscent of Sala and Ryan's. You know, you've got a former longtime NFL player stepping in uh, he's going to be able to relate to the players. He's going to command, likely command respect to the players. And then I think Staley, like I said, it's just being brought on as a defensive uh, assistant to offer this team a, a fresh point of view. That's my take on it. Um, whether or not you view this as an impressive hire, um, whether or not this inspires confidence, like obviously if the 49ers have gotten a big name, everybody would be like, oh my God, this is incredible. Um, but I just... I'm going to obviously be patient about it. And I don't really have any critiques, some questions, you know, there's some questions that are fair to ask with how all this came about, you know, how committed are they to Sorensen with Brandon Staley being brought on? Uh, is he there in case it doesn't go well, or was the Staley hire independent of Sorensen? Did they have nothing to do with each other? in in that sense, um, why did the 49ers hire Steve Wilkes when they had Sorensen, on their staff last year, you know, what made Sorensen uh, the more appealing option this year? Obviously the fact that Wilkes isn't here makes him an appealing option and they have to hire somebody, but you know, why wasn't Sorensen an option last year um, or, or not even an option? But why wasn't he the man last year? But he is just, you know, stuff like that. There, there are plenty of fair questions to ask out there, but I just don't think that it's a, it's a move that, requires any criticism right now that'll have to come after the results at least in my eyes um, like we said john lynch did talk at the nfl combine uh, he reiterated that the 49ers we're moving on by the way <laughs> that's my transition um he reiterated that the 49ers are committed to re-signing brandon Ayuk. you know wants him to be a 49ers for a long time uh, it's something he says often uh, he's when he says that do they typically re-sign the player he's talking about yes have they always re-signed the player that he's talking about? No. Uh, DeForest Buckner comes to mind. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that's going to have to unfold with Brandon Ayuk that the 49ers may or may not be comfortable with. You know, we've seen that the 49ers are willing to extend players after they reach their fifth-year option and hold out. You know, that's that's where Brandon Ayuk is. And his fifth-year options, I believe it's like $14 million. It's It's not cheap. But that doesn't mean, hopefully you guys can't hear the motorcycles rolling around outside. Normal suburban neighborhood, motorcycles rolling by. What does suburban mean? I mean, does that just mean city? Does that just mean like a city? I've never even, I, I say it, I don't know. I don't care about the vehicle. Man, that's all that comes up is a bunch of vehicles. I want a definition of these weirdos. I'm not buying a suburban. Um, of characteristic of a suburb. That's the definition of suburban. You're going to use the word suburb in the definition of suburban, I guess. Con contempt contemptibly dull and ordinary. Yep. Cool. That's, that's my neighborhood. And there's a motorcycle rolling through. Anyways. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Um, the Brandon Ayuk situation is undoubtedly going to get weird. Is Ayuk willing to play on his fifth-year option? Probably not. I'm sure the 49ers are going to ask him to. I'm sure they're going to make it perfectly clear that they plan to sign him to a lucrative long-term extension. Um, but just please be patient. They've got a ton of contracts going on. And he's just going to look at that like, wait, 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 you had these other guys that that you extended before their, their fifth-year options uh, or, you know, before the end of their contract. Why would, why would I have to – why would I have to play on my fifth-year option when this guy didn't? You know, and and that could be the case of Brandon Ayuk. Um, Lynch also mentioned Juwan Jennings, saying they're keeping their option open. They've got the tenders. You know, the second round tender seems like the most obvious option. They're not going to do an original round tender because any team would, a lot of teams out there would give up a seventh round pick to uh, to to take Juwan Jennings from the 49ers, uh, which is where he was originally drafted. And and Lynch, like we talked about on this podcast last week did mention the possibility of just extending a long-term offer to Juwan Jennings. Um, I don't know what that number would be. It's kind of interesting. You know, Juwan Jennings, given what's happened, he may want to, if the 49ers are not going to hit him with the restricted free agency tag, then maybe he wants to hit free agency and maybe he's going to be reluctant to, to entertain. But he seems like one of those guys that's just, you know, I'm very much a part of the core of this offense. I mean, it's kind of funny to laugh about. I, I guess it probably still would have gone to Chris McCaffrey, but if the 49ers would have won the Super Bowl, Juwan Jennings would have been the, one of the leading vote-getters for Super Bowl MVP. Like, the dude, despite there being a Debo Samuel and a Brandon Ayuk and a George Kittle and a Chris McCaffrey, he still has a role on this team. You know, and while Debo Samuel was busy getting locked up in man coverage, Jawan Jennings was still making plays. And I don't want to blow that out of proportion, but the guy can still make plays. He can still get open. He can still win contested catches. He's a big-ass dude, and he blocks guys like crazy. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the 49ers were willing to go a little bit further, not further than like Ayuk. I'm not comparing it. If the 49ers were willing to go a little bit further than we expect in order to keep somebody like Jawan Jennings. Um, but I mean, there's there's a lot of contract stuff coming down the pipe for the 49ers. There's so many big contracts on this team, so many players that they're going to have to at least think about cutting, trading if they can trade them. If the contract is too, you know, there's a lot of those those 
conversations coming the 49ers way. Um, and they're not going to be able to keep everybody. So when you talk about expending, extending somebody like Jawan Jennings, it isn't necessarily you, – you're assuming it can't be a big number because they've got enough big numbers as it is. Uh, obviously, the combine, NFL combine, is finishing up today. I think they were doing offensive line. Some of the takeaways just from glancing in at every now, glancing in on it every now and then was like there is some serious speed at wide receiver. Can't remember his name, but a dude from Fresno, uh, the Texas wide receiver. Um, actually, you know, my little brother was just texting me about it. I am going to click on his conversation. Xavier Worthy is from Fresno, California. He went to Central. And uh, then he played in Texas, and he broke the NFL Combine record. Now, I will say this. I'm not nearly as, like, speed's cool and it's important, but, I mean, how many of the receivers that are in the NFL right now that are succeeding at the highest level were, like, the fastest dudes at the Combine? You know what I mean? There's just so many other attributes that I would take from a receiver before blazing speed. But... There is a ton of speed at wide receiver, a ton of 4-3 and 4-4 dudes, big dudes running 4-4s, 4-3s. It's it's pretty impressive. There is a lot of talent at receiver, and depending on how the 49ers see their wide receiver situation, they could be more interested than some people are giving them credit for. You know, with how much money they're going to have to pay Brandon Ayuk if they choose to keep him, with how much money they're paying Debo Samuel, with whatever they're looking at paying Jawan Jennings, if that does come to fruition, uh, you know, something's going to have to give. Maybe the 49ers feel like one of those can go, can be traded, can not be re-signed, and they go with some of the talent that, that we see in this draft. It's a pretty deep class of wide receivers. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. If the 49ers don't want to re-sign Brandon Ayuk, they want to trade him if they want to trade Debo Samuel. Is this the time to do it? Is this receiver class something that they, you know, that they covet enough to make a move that drastic? Certainly not, not reporting that. You guys know that. But just looking at Pro Football Focus's big board, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. No, I clicked receiver. Oh, I get it. Excuse me. It was wide receivers and tackles. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six. Six receivers in the top uh, 33 players. You know one receiver that I loved a lot that I thought was like going to be there for the 49ers in the second round uh, was Lad McConkley, the uh, the receiver out of Georgia, white dude, six foot, 185. Just reminds me of like a Cooper Cup, dude. Like he just, he's quick. He, he ran in the four threes. I think he ran a four three nine. Uh, super good route runner. There's that dude from, yeah, from uh, Florida, Ricky Ricky Persol 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 Persol. I don't know how to say his last name. Six one one eight two. A very similar kind of breed. Makes some wild catches. I'm not just like targeting the white dudes. I'm just, uh, they're both just these kind of. They're kind of like a receiver that the 49ers seem like they could need. Somebody that's going to get open often, get open quickly. But we'll we'll get into that later. There's there's a lot of receivers. Um, within the 49ers range between one and two. It depends on what kind of moving they would like to do, but maybe they see this as a year where they can get away with moving on with one of their big guys in the hopes of replacing them at a much, much, much cheaper rate. Um, at the top, maybe, I think at the, at the top presumed needs for the 49ers 
probably the direction I would go if I was the 49ers is offensive tackle. So many. I mean, this is like the uh, the tackle draft. Um, so I clicked tackles, just tackles on Pro Football Focus's big board. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight tackles in their top 32, nine in their top 40, 10 in their top 46. Um, there are a ton of tackles. Now, does that mean the 49ers should sit tight and wait and see who falls to them? You could be of that opinion. Or does it mean that the 49ers want to trade up in the first round just to get like three or maybe two or three tackles better? You know what I mean? Like maybe they really like this, this, this fifth and sixth offensive tackle a lot more than they like the seventh and eighth, you know? And, and I think that many are going to go in this first round. Uh, I could very, very, very easily see the 49ers trading one of their third rounders, maybe a future pick uh, to jump up into the mid, mid of the middle of the first round uh, to take one of those tackles. Because look, here's the thing. You've got, um, you know, you've got Colton McKivitz, who's not great. You've got Trent Williams, who's phenomenal, but won't be around forever. So in, in my eyes, the 49ers need to quickly find two great tackles. Um, and that's also an opportunity to, to get them cheaper. Now, maybe one of them is a free agent acquisition in, in, in the future, but how often do, do outstanding tackles just show, you know, hit free agency. It just doesn't happen often. So the draft is the most surefire way for the 49ers to, to come up on some new offensive tackles. And, you know, right now, maybe you're, you're, this year you're looking at replacing Colton McKibbitts and next year you're looking at replacing Trent Williams. Who knows when he's going to retire? He could do two more years. You know, he could do three more years. Maybe I mean, the dude is just an absolute freak, but the longer he plays, the more likely an injury is the more seriously he's going to contemplate retirement. And, uh, uh it's just the 49ers need to think about offensive in terms of their, let's say you're looking at the next three years of the 49ers in positions of need. Offensive tackles, probably number one, um, especially when you're looking at when you need to pay Brock Purdy a ton of money. Uh, you better have some some offensive tackles, one in the lineup, and even better if they're not 40 million offensive tackles. So um, I could see the 49ers spending a lot of time on offensive line. Um, it's it's top heavy. You know, I'm sure the 49ers want to be a part of that first six or seven guys that go off the board. And, and what are they going to do? Uh, to get to that range could a could a great tackle fall to them yes you're just you're rolling the dice and there's there are a few things worse than really hoping a player is going to fall to you and then he gets selected like one or two before you you know if a, if a premier offensive tackle is falling that low the 49ers 100 have to worry about a team with an early second jumping in front of them uh to draft him it would almost be guaranteed almost because um, especially with the temptation of the fifth year option, you know, all you got to do is get a player in the fifth, in the first round and you get the, the option to keep them for the fifth year. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the 49ers move up a little bit just to get maybe two or three tackles better than what they would have been able to get at 31. And again, they've got to think about life after Trent Williams. Um, so let me, let me double check. I wanted to, obviously we have the, uh, the first wave of free agency is coming up soon. I wanted to get the exact date, but I should have already had this for you guys. But 
No, 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 no. All right. Hold on. I'm just going to look it up. Let me let me hit my computer. Free agency begins NFL. March 13th. March the beginning of free agency also known as the official start of the new league year happens at March 13th and then the legal tampering period usually starts 3 days before 3 days before that, I believe. Um yeah, March 11th through the 13th is the legal tampering period. Um, something that sounds illegal. And then the new league year starts on the 13th. So if we don't do another episode this week, next week's episode will be kind of on possible free agents targets for the 49ers. Um, maybe we do that later this week. And then we leave ourselves one more episode um, before the league year begins. You know, the, all the options are open. You know what I mean? Like this is my, my, my damn podcast. I can record and, uh, whenever I want about whatever I want, you know, that's why we're out here talking about Albanese gummy bears. Don't forget about them. Check them out. If you're a gummy bear person. All right. I appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys. You know, this, you know, this, uh, I'm not tweeting very much these days. I try not to at Rob underscore louder. If you'd like to follow along every now and then I'll fire something off, uh, probably off topic this time of the year. Um, Make sure that if you want to leave this podcast just a little bit more support, you uh, you jump on whatever application you're listening to it on. Leave us a five-star review. Throw in some positive words. But only if you mean it. And again, at the absolute latest, we'll be back on here next Monday. Um, but I may find an excuse to get on here a little later this week. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, in the meantime, appreciate you guys all. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Um, but for an episode, another episode, I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold, and we're signing